Are you ready to scale your business in a way that's aligned with your soul and profitable? I'm Casey Rossi, a business and leadership coach. I've been a full-time entrepreneur for 30 years and love business. I help conscious leaders increase their impact and optimize their lives. Join me each week for tips and deep conversations on cultivating confidence, increasing your visibility, elevating your vibration, and leading with purpose without burning out. Let's go. My guest today is Audrey Cavencia. Audrey is the chief content officer and co-producer for Amplify Voices, the co-host alongside NFL coach Pete Carroll for the Amplify Voices podcast and host of the unlikely podcast All on Leadership. I loved my time with Audrey. She really allowed me this perspective shift when it came to vulnerability and storytelling. So I know that you are going to get a lot out of this conversation. We talk about the strengths of being a powerful leader, as well as the importance of human connection and how storytelling allows us to evoke emotion. So not only can we have other people self-identify to our story, but moreover, feel something, have an experience, and Like I said, what I experienced was perspective shifts. And I think especially in this time when we are in a paradigm shift on a global basis, positive perspective shifts are one of the most powerful things that we can have, not only in our own personal development and growth, but so there can be a positive ripple effect moving away and through and in our circle. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode. I would love to hear your aha moments. Enjoy. Hey, Audrey, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to have you here. I am curious what drove you to start the Amplify Voices, because I know that you also have conversations from the heart, which is going to be what we're going to be having today together. And I'm curious what drove you to that show. Yeah, well, it's it's really a flagship podcast for the whole company. So I recently started a company with Pete Carroll, legendary NFL coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And and, and we're not doing a single podcast <laughs> about sports. So a lot of people are like, what? But there's a reason behind it. Because we're multifaceted people, our purposes serve many sides of our self-expression. And for Pete Carroll, he had been a long time doing philanthropy work and impact work around human potential and purpose and coming from your heart. And very specifically, which is very important is, while a lot of people do work like that, we haven't seen a man who's in just about the most cutting, cutthroat, competitive field you could possibly be in, which is sports, and still be somebody for decades and decades who said, yeah, but if you don't come from the heart, if you don't care for people the way you care for your own family, you're not going to get the best from them. So mm-hmm. while he is someone who is out to win He's also someone who has demonstrated effectively that you don't need to compromise your values to win. So when we met, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, it would be so great if you could be the foundation of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And you're somebody who your team members and philanthropy from black to brown to women to everybody, you've been somebody who sees the real person, you see their spirit, you see their soul. 
And what if we can have a media company built on that, doing podcasts and all different kinds of content where we can, quote and unquote, amplify other voices. I love it. And give them opportunity. Yeah. So so Pete and I, even in ourselves with this first podcast, our flagship podcast, Amplify Voices Conversations from the Heart tagline, we're really a demonstration of inclusion. I, I don't, I didn't even know who he was. I don't come from an interest in a sports background. We've never been two people who danced in each other's industries or have every, any, you know, totally different backgrounds, totally different human beings coming together with other distinct human beings purely from the heart. And you'll see that while there may be differences, while we may not agree with ourselves and the guests, there never is this experience of divisiveness. There's only an experience of active listening. So it was a really, really awesome opportunity. And now my podcast came out now, Unlikely Leadership, where I'm speaking on expanding the narrative of leadership. And then we have two other coming out and we'll have three other this day. So we're just rolling them out and you'll see nice. how it's so different. That's fabulous. And I think to your point of not knowing each other before, having two very different backgrounds is going to make a really exciting show because it gives different perspectives. And I think that's going to be super interesting to listen to. I can't wait to hear your podcast. I think it's a fabulous platform. What do you like specifically about podcasting as a platform? Okay, there's two things. And I, and I do want to say, you know, our podcast came out June 6th and we just won a prestigious award. So we're really excited. Congratulations. About that. <laughs> yeah, That's we amazing. Just won the Marcom Platinum Award, right? But but I say that, of course, to be proud of me and the team and the work that we did and sharing our own hearts. But I say that because it, it ties into what I love about podcasts. And also because to me, I think we need proof of concept that we don't need to be yelling at each other and have a bunch of drama to get numbers and get success and all of that. There's no need to compromise. And especially now going forward, we're seeing a huge paradigm shift in what leadership is, who we can be with one another. And, and this is time to try new things. Step you out read of the my mind. Try new things. The minute you said that, I was like, that is the old paradigm and everyone's right. ready to shift. And I think especially post-2020 and when the COVID outbreak you know, came about, we are really wanting a new narrative we want that connection and it's, right. it's really time. It's time to ditch which, what doesn't make us feel good, which is the trauma and the drama. So I love that. And I know one of your key skills is storytelling. And I personally would love to get better at that. I tend to stay in teacher mode often. And so mm -hmm. I'm very curious, not only for myself, but for the listeners, what do you feel makes an excellent story? If you had to even give us three components, what makes a great story? Great. Okay. So first, I'm going to just tell you what I love about podcasts, because I want to make sure that for the listeners, I complete what you've asked me, and I'll, I'll roll right into what makes a great story and the components from my perspective. What I loved and why I fell in love with podcasting, because I had never even listened to a single podcast when I decided to go that direction with the media company, we were going to kick off the documentaries, but with the pandemic, it wasn't it wasn't accessible to get team members together and all of the policies and regulations around it. So I pivoted and of course, pivoting in a world that I haven't been in yet was a bit tricky, but, you know, working with people and telling stories is all the same, no matter what medium you go into. So I just quickly went through a learning curve, but here's why I fell in love with podcasting, because right now we are so maxed out. We're so impacted by the news around us. We're so impacted coming out of um, COVID. And for many of us, we found out new arguments to have with family members. We didn't even realize we had 
a different perspective on a lot of people lost their friends, not only in real, like in life, but also in disagreement where they've closed the door. I mean, there was just so much the uncertainty that we're dealing with every day. Do we go back to work? Do we not? Should I leave this state that I'm in? Should I, should I stay? Should I change what I'm doing? I mean, it's a lot. So podcasting, I realized is the only medium in storytelling where you're not tethered to anything. Meaning I don't have to sit physically and stare at the book and I can't walk at the same time and read, or I don't have to sit in front of my computer to watch something, or I have to sit in front of my TV to watch this documentary. With podcasting, you can play with your children. You can include your children. You can listen with your partner. You can take a walk, a run. You can lay down and just relax and rest. And think of that, that time that's so personal to you and important to you to have something that just empowers you or allows you to just step outside your own perspective and expand it. I then was like, oh, I'm so about podcasting. So I just wanted to complete that because I did think it's an important part of being of service to people. And that's how we're looking at it is creating content of service to people and their well-being at this point. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate you circling to that. I sometimes get ahead of myself when I have an exciting guest. So I I appreciate I love that. And I, I agree with you. I've been podcasting for three years and I feel like it's a powerful platform to spread your message. I also think it's incredibly convenient, as you said, to take in. And I feel it's also a very intimate way to take in information. Yeah. Many times you you even have the earbuds right in your head. So it's like we are up close and personal. I love when they're raw and real. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. My show is unedited. It's like here, here it is. Here are real right. conversations. So thank you for, for sharing that, that perspective. I appreciate it. Yeah. And and just from even a gender and color, considering we're dealing with so much of that male, female and black, white and all of that, you know, not everybody has an, a, a great relationship with a man in their life or a woman in their life. There's a lot of history of betrayal and resentment and breakdowns. And I read the other day from one of the reports that less than 75 percent of white people even have a person of color, a black person in their network you know, that's, that's a lot. So how do you deal with the changes that are happening in society when you don't have an intimate relationship to sort of talk through it and experience new things? They're, they're conceptual for you. They're not real. I think podcasts, like you said, coming into your ear, give you an opportunity to almost be at the table together. Like we are your friends because we are, people forget that we live on the same planet. We are neighbors. We are neighbors. And I think it's time that we start learning how to be good neighbors, all of yes, us. So, absolutely. And I think podcasts lend that, right, as a medium. It, it does. It does. And I think, Audrey, to your point, when we're talking about sensitive topics like diversity, inclusivity, race, especially, as you mentioned, a, a large majority may not even have diverse friends in their network Listening to other people have a conversation and be real and bring in all different points of view is such a great way to one, be informed and two, it doesn't feel intimidating. Because I have to tell you, like when you aren't exposed and yes, it's absolutely our responsibility to become educated. And I think that's one of the beautiful ways that we can become educated through podcasts. But otherwise there is this kind of sense of fear. I know that For myself, especially like when Black Lives Matter came out and it was really strong and people were making their like Instagram profiles, you know, like a black square and I didn't do anything and I didn't mention anything. And my virtual assistant like waited about three, four days and she's like, 
I think your audience is waiting for you to say something. Mm. And I was like, oh, and she's like, silence is a stand. And it was so powerful for me because I was like, oh my gosh, like I really took that in, like that really sat with me and it really started a lot of education and opening my mind for, for several months, that, that particular instance. And I feel like one of the other turning points was listening to uh, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. And he was talking about that and just hearing him and the way that he approached the subject with so much grace. And it was about soul to soul connection. It had nothing to do with race, color, gender, nothing. And that, I think, again, it's like when you can hear other voices making sense of some of the things rambling in your head, boom, everything comes together. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. And I, you know, that is a tricky subject and I know we're going to get right into storytelling. So I will roll it right into storytelling. (laughs) It is a distinct thing. I come from a extreme to extreme mixed race. My mother is blonde hair, blue eyes, white from Germany. My dad is dark skin, kinky hair from South America. So that's African, Latin, Native American background, right? And they both came to the United States. So I'm first generation from immigrants. I'm got this totally polar opposite of race and culture and differences and all of that. I really do feel that you know, part of our own narratives is not about what we do or what we do to make money or what we need to, to do to change things. I think it's about digging deep into our experiences and saying, what unique way did I come into the world where I can see things distinctly through my lens? Mm-hmm. That if I share with others, it'll expand their view, their experiences and their outcomes. So I actually embody these totally polar opposites working together and being totally not on the same side in agreement, but still loving one another. So I can't not see my white community, my Native American community, the Latin community, the Asian community, the Black community. I cannot not see them and, and stand for the ability to acknowledge and relish their differences, to apologize and take responsibility for where certain people have been left out, and also to you know, have a sense of accountability and love all rolled up into one and to not have just one side that I'm looking Mm -hmm. at life in. While at the same time, knowing that there are other people, be they my mom even experienced calling me up and saying, what did you think about the Black Lives Matter marches? You know, asking me. And I think that was a a really big thing for us is, is not to have some assumption that her perspective was the right perspective, but that she wanted to hear where I was coming from and what it felt like for me. That's awesome. I, I thought that was so powerful. And, and there's there's no right at the end of that conversation. There was only a shared experience and, and a, hmm, I didn't think of it that way. Let me walk away and think about that. So, okay, so going into storytelling, you know, it's it's interesting because I love storytelling, not just for the sake of my love of it. I, I fell in love with storytelling because Again, my dad coming from another country, a lot of people that come from another country have a relationship with the United States through cinema. Mm-hmm. And so, and my my dad's in his, I, th- I think he's in his late 70s, I'm not good for this, but, um, but my dad's uh, around 70s, 80s, right in there. And so you think of that time of cinema, you know, having $1 to go to the cinema and that's all, that's what there is. And, and, and those actors were all Caucasian. 
right? For the most part, we're Caucasian. So his even dream woman, that was, he was very, very shaped by that narrative. Oh, so when he came yeah. To, yeah. So when he came to the United States, you know, he falls in love with the equivalent of a Kim Novak, right? And so with, with his interest and when we were growing up, my, my dad wasn't the most emotional person, wasn't the kind of person that would be like, oh, come here, I love you. He expressed his love through sitting down and watching movies. So when when it would be time with dad and time with the family, he'd be like, okay, and it wouldn't be one movie. It would be three movies in a row. And it wouldn't just be watching movies as a little girl. He would like, what did you think of that? Why did you think that happened? What did you, except he would say that with a really heavy accent. And, and I started not only taking the journey of living inside of characters, but actually doing the critical thinking of the mm. humanity that was there. And so as I grew up and I got an interest in the entertainment business, I was in the entertainment business. I had a, a strange segue out of that. But then I returned back to storytelling, which was uh, um, training and developing leaders around the world. I got into executive training. And then I brought the two kind of worlds together. And what that gave me was something really unique, which, which was I, I thought being somebody who had been so steeped in storytelling and cinema and theater, and then going into the quote unquote business corporate world, and seeing the impact of people standing up and how leaders can affect communities, can affect cultures, can affect the bottom line, and bringing the two together, I saw, you know what's missing so much and why force has to be used, why favoritism has to be used, is because they're all shortcuts to what we're not doing, which is storytelling. Mm. We don't lead with storytelling. We don't say, okay, hmm, this, this young person right here doesn't seem to be learning the same way how can I tap into their story or how can I tell a story about math or how can I, or, you know, I've, I've got people on my team who are not showing up on time. They're not falling through. How can I tell a story or bring in a story so they can see a world differently? Because obviously when people are not good at something, it's not because they don't want to be good at it. And what's worse is if they're the person who's not good at something and everybody else is, then on top of it, they have the human reaction of something's wrong with me. Definitely. I must be dumb, an idiot, a something. And what do they do? They start acting out, they start leaving, they, they go from job to job or, or cut class or whatever, you know, or in relationships, you can kind of lay on everything you want. But storytelling allows us to connect. So in terms of like breaking down key elements, here's why. First is to tell a story is to not be a descriptive. So a lot of people go like this when I say, well, I did tell a story. And I said, no, you didn't. And they go, yes, I did watch. You know, I used to be uh, a happy person. And then I went through a bunch of problems. It was really troubling to me. But now I found out that, you know, I can be both happy, but I can also express my pain. And so, you know, they kind of tell it like that, where you get this sort of swash of an overview, but that's not storytelling because I, in my mind, I was just observing what you were telling me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't see myself in it. How you tell a story is it has to have a time, place, smell, experience. So it's very different to say, I remember the day when I was nine years old and I had just gotten this sweater and, and, and I was, I was putting on the sweater and it didn't fit. And I just felt so bad. And one of the buttons popped off and I just looked at my mom and my mom looked at me and I, and all of my pain just left. I didn't feel like a chubby kid. I didn't feel, you know, pathetic. I looked at my mom and I knew it was going to be okay. I knew I was okay. And we just started laughing. Like, that's a story. And it's so funny. I mean, even though you're just making that bud on the cuff, like, I just got chills. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. But it is. That is the component of igniting emotion 
And, and again, that brings us with that human connection. I'm so curious, why don't we do more of it, especially in the corporate arenas or in our entrepreneurial life? Is it fear? What, what holds people back from sharing story or cultivating story? Vulnerability. Vulnerability, because, and this is, then we can go right back to what my Unlikely Leadership podcast is about and expanding the narrative, which is, we, we have been fed this narrative that we've been constrained inside of, which is fake it till you make it. Act like you have it together. Only share about the good stuff and the accomplishments. And meanwhile, in the background, we're in pain or there's things we're going through and we feel that we have to keep that private. And I'm not saying everybody should post all their business online. I'm definitely not uh, subscribing to that. But what that's done is it's made us look at people as wow, I wish I could be like them. That's a leader. This episode is brought to you by Know Thyself and Lead, my free mini training that unlocks the top three secrets that you need to joyfully thrive. You'll learn the number one way to fuel action so that you're never stuck or procrastinating again. You'll crack the code and unveil your specific aligned purpose for more flow and ease, and you'll discover the way to propel you further, faster. You can binge watch all three trainings at once or at your leisure. Either way, you'll want to sign up and dive right in. Access Know Thyself and Lead at kcrossi.com slash lead. That's kcrossi.com slash lead. Now, please enjoy the show. And what we've seen in the last few years with this you know, the Me Too movement and other other kind of tearing leaders down off their pedestal has, has, yes, there's been some really bad behavior that we've rewarded because of results in business. And we look the other, people look the other way because, wow, they're producing the results. But also there's been this level of expectation, like, my goodness, you're being really hard on people, like in cancel culture. So oh, cancel yeah. culture is like, maybe maybe not so much doing cancel culture, maybe it's pause. Yeah, maybe it's pause culture. Maybe some people just need to take a pause for a second to to do what? To take care of themselves because clearly the behavior is coming from somewhere. So I think that storytelling, when you go to storytelling, you think of how even how you you said that I just made up a story that's like (laughs) clearly off the top of my head in the comparisons, but, but that you felt goosebumps. And that's because I let myself be present to a human experience and I shared it with you. And while the story itself may not resonate for you or have been your life, the feeling of being feeling uncomfortable or feeling like not accepted or feeling like something's wrong with you is a human universal experience. We all can relate to that. And I believe we need to start, which is what I do in my podcast consistently as I talk about intimate experiences. I talk about moments in time where leaders have had this break in belonging, this kind of experience happened to them, and they allowed it to fuse into their leadership and expand them instead of be something that they fixed and covered up or anything like that. And we need all those in leadership skills. So storytelling is really powerful. I also don't think that anybody's really put together storytelling. I, I believe even the way that we have our businesses set up is for us to look at storytelling like, oh, that's marketing. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's marketing. Right. I'm like an engineer. The, the humble yeah. brag or yeah, the 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 posts that are supposed to kind of be vulnerable. There's again, yeah, I think or it, even it can... manipulation. Mm-hmm. Even manipulation, like and 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 you see it even in school. 
school, you know, we all start off fully self-expressed. There's no baby that goes, oh, I don't like drawing. I'm not good at it. I'm uh, only into We see this emerge in their personalities in terms of their skill sets. But we're all creative. We all have the capacity to create. But even uh, um, traditional schools, especially in the United States, kind of sets you up to pick in silos to say, I am not creative. I am in math or I am creative. I'm not good at math. And then that's even how our businesses are divided up. Engineers, sales over here, marketing is over there. They have their little fights that they do. And um, Well, it's so interesting, that. Audrey, because, you know, as popular as Brene Brown is with all of her work and shame right. research and vulnerability, and we love it. And she's got tons of followers and we gravitate towards people who take down the mask we want to have that connection with people, but it's almost like, well, that's great for them. <laughs> you know, I can be yeah. on this side and enjoy it and oh. feel the goosebumps. What do you think our listeners can do if they're like, yes, I'm nodding my head. That's awesome to kind of break through some of that fear of their own sharing of their own vulnerability. I think, you know, what's so great about it is it's a practice. I don't think people can, you know, there's not like a workshop you take and then you're great at storytelling. It doesn't work like that because it, it requires you to reveal something about yourself and no workshop can teach you that. They can teach you the structure. But I think in sometimes, especially with vulnerable practices, the more education you get, it's counterintuitive sometimes because then you get two in your head about all the things you know. And now it's a different version of constraining you, right? Like, why do, I know all this stuff. Why do I still not feel free? What people will find if they practice, and what I mean by practice is this, check with yourself, and you too, Casey, just check with yourself for a moment and think, when was the last time that I had an experience that I was talking to somebody and there was this kind of feeling I even had in my gut or my chest where I was like, oh, I really want to tell them this. I really want to share this about myself. And then you're like, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I don't, if I say that, I don't know how they're going to look at me. And you didn't. We've all had that experience. Yeah. many times, right? There's no one, even myself included, who doesn't, who doesn't just like, who goes around saying everything that's on their mind. Um, but those to me, I feel are almost like the universe or God or whatever people believe in or your own truth. I feel like it's like knocking on the door to say, hey, this, this is the next step for you. It's bubbling up. This right here. Yeah, it's it's the reminder to say, you know how you've been asking for that freedom? You know how you've been trying to figure out what your life is supposed to be about? You know how you were trying to figure out like how to ask for that raise or, you know, start your own business or do your own jewelry line or whatever it is. This this right here, this moment right here is your one step. It's the one brick laid for you to be in that next space. That's gold. But so Right. So many of us just shut that down and then we keep trying to do the jewelry and trying to get the raise or don't say anything. Or the, the worst one is, well, if I get this together, then I'll be myself. And yes. this is a big thing around body image, especially for women or 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 the, the way that we speak or or whether or not we have the proper education. There's so much where we use an outside something like our weight or education, or experience, and we say, I don't get to be me until I do those things, because then people will accept me. But if now is the only moment that you'll ever experience freedom, not later, there's no such thing as being free to be you later. Yes, it only happens in this moment. And you get the triggers all day long. So like one of the practices that I did, I'll just give you like an example back in the day when 
in terms of sharing oneself so that you can get to that space of storytelling is I did practices that didn't so much have to do with me sharing myself, but had to do with things that I thought on my mind that I suppressed myself about. Like for instance, if I'm standing in a line, which I know a lot of us because of the pandemic, we're not standing in lines anymore, but like this was before. So if I'm standing in line and there, let's say, is a woman that I think is just, just how she's so put together. I think she looks completely amazing. Typically I have that thought, but I'd be like, I'm not gonna be some weirdo standing in line and like talking to this woman. It's just, no. And, <laughs> and I started doing that. I started doing like, don't, don't monitor yourself, Audrey, and, and edit yourself constantly allow yourself to connect with this person and, and gratitude and expressing acknowledgements is actually a really great way to start to feel yourself. And then if you could start to do that, just like, wow, excuse me, ma'am, like you look really amazing. I love that. No matter how they respond to it, I got to be free in that moment because I had a thought that was authentic to me and I actually shared it. That's awesome. And if you start to do that practice, you'll start to close the gap of your own experiences in the moment where someone cuts you off at work and you don't go, oh, I'm so upset. They do this all the time. You, you'll actually be able to go, excuse me, huh, I'm sorry, but I was actually in the middle of saying something I'd really love to finish. Is, is that work for everybody? Because there's this one thing I really wanted to say. And people are like, oh my goodness. And you start little by little by little changing the way people see you, not because they're wrong and not because you need to be fixed, but because it was there for you all along. Absolutely. And not only does it ignite your personal power, it actually amplifies your respect and it gives people around you the permission to do the same. We know that feeling back to when you were saying when we suppress a voice, which is that spirit or soulful bubbling up inside of us. It is literally like choking it down and suppressing it when we don't allow ourselves to use our voice. So I love that you gave that concrete example because we can start doing those little micro actions like complimenting someone. And when we do, people light up. And again, it it brings in that human connection, which we are all craving. And you know, that's going to make their day better. And maybe they're going to then do that when they see something, either when they have to put a boundary down or say, hey, wait, I was in the middle of something or a compliment. So I really love how you tie that together. You mentioned leadership a couple times. I heard a few qualities coming through. What I would assume you would think a good leader is based on what you just said, which would be communication and vulnerability. What other qualities do you feel makes an excellent leader? Yeah, that's really great. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand. There's a number of things. So one is the way that we listen. So much of us feel like as leaders, we've been in the in the dying paradigm, the shifting paradigm, I should say dying, that sounds negative, but the shifting paradigm that we've seen so much, you know, delegating to people, telling them what to do and, you know, micromanaging them or, or putting them through management systems or whatever it is. And so much of that is, a lot of energy on the side of the leader. But if you just think about that, if, if, if think about a leader in, in a sense of like a faucet, so you only have one place where water's coming from, which would be fine if you're going to wash the dishes. But if you're going to spread water to an entire land, oh boy, I think you need more than one place that it's coming from. And this is the problem that we have with leadership. Being actually active listening, being able to listen to people in a way to see not what do I need to do to tell you to do your job or do your job well, but what do you need from me and the team to empower you, which requires me to what? Listen more, 
and ask more questions than it does for me to speak more. That is a big practice because automatically, even myself included, every meeting, every interaction, every problem, every I just find everybody comes to me. I've got to say something. I've got to oversee something. And while those things are true, I'm always checking with myself. Is there a balance here? Am I talking all the time? If I'm talking all the time, something's off Mm -hmm. because I'm not really developing this team. What you want to see with your leader, with your other rising up leaders, with your team is you want to see building a culture of self-generative people. People coming to you with like, hey, Audrey, we had this breakdown and here's three solutions that I thought of. Oh, great. Now we're having an engaging thing. What do I do, Audrey? What do I do? This is a problem. What do I, can you look at this? Tell what, you know, so I'm always putting it back on my people. Well, what do you think? How do you think that would go in there? Or checking in with process and flow and saying, how is it going so far? Am I interjecting myself too much? Or you feel like I'm taking away your, you know, oh, okay, I got it. I'll, I'll stop you know, jumping into emails till I hear back from you to see how you would handle it. Okay. And constantly just a, a check. And sometimes when I feel that the, the, the space is too tense, it just happened last week. I know it's time for me to share my own experiences, to share what currently right now as a leader, am I honestly afraid about, you know, like, Hey, we haven't hit the bottom line of X, Y, Z the last few weeks. I'm actually concerned or afraid that we're not going to do it. And so I start getting really edgy and aggressive. And, you know, I'm sure the impact on you guys, is you guys feel suppressed or you're wondering or you're scrambling. And so I just want to hear from you. Has it been that way for you? And once you start hearing from them, you're like, oh, wow. It's important for leaders to get that, how their behavior affects people, not just the accolades of leadership, but actually the impact of the responsibility. So I think one is leaders have to really practice what we talked about in the beginning, which is share your whole self, not your habit together, walk in, tell people what to do, leave self. That, That doesn't really create anything other than regurgitating the same old stuff. How you create innovative outside of the box experiences is when you you yourself are and when you build a culture of people that are authentically themselves. If you don't agree with how somebody is for, as a leader, it's an opportunity for you to see like, where in my past has this type of behavior affected me negatively? Oh my gosh, that person, Jessica, on my team reminds me of my aunt who I hate. And you know, <laughs> then you start, that's the place you come from accountability and you notice probably, you know, when I've had those kind of conversations, I find out I am like the sister that they resent and they are like the aunt that I, you know, so you kind of go, oh gosh, there's some humanity in that. And Mm -hmm. and how can I start to be more effective with this type of personality that I was never effective with before? That's a, you know, I know it's, it's tough, but it's actually very exciting because. Oh, it is. It's refreshing. It's totally refreshing. I mean, just hearing you Describe the scenario of being able to come in, speak to your team, share some feelings that are going on for you, ask for input, be willing to pivot. I mean, I just feel like that is going to create such a powerful culture and that people really feel heard and that they, their input gets implemented. You know, it's not just one way is the only way it's like, great. How do we collaborate to really make this powerful to get to those goals and meet the bottom line? So I love it. It really does feel like a breath of fresh air. I think you're doing amazing work. I think it's very 
cool to hear some of your personal story as far as the diverse background and all the different pieces that you brought together. It feels very strong into the yin-yang synergy as Mm. far as your entertainment mixing with the corporate. I love having that mashup and that blend and, and just even like your, where your mom's from, where your dad's from, like you just have a lot of really cool lens coming in and it's just, it's making a beautiful experience for us as listeners to feel and experience your wisdom. So thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I really, you know, it's interesting. I, by nature, am pretty much constituted as an introvert, but I have such a passion for what's possible that I've, this is my own practice that I practiced for so long, being able to talk to people, being able to be myself, being able to be in front of a room, being able to uh, speak up in behalf of something. I, so much practice has gone into this. I know at this point, a lot of people are like, wow, you feel so natural and you're so comfortable. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a few decades worth of, of work. But I'm always present when I connect with someone, how happy I am to connect with people, you know, that's not yeah. just in my circle, but just outside it. So I appreciate that opportunity as well from you. Yeah, I love that. We have a lot of introvert listeners. And so I'm so glad that you share that because it not only inspires us to know that through practice, we do have unlimited possibilities and you are a radiant exemplar of that. How can people learn more about you, your world and your podcasts? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, if you just go to amplifyvoices.io, everything is there. All the transcripts to the, if people just want to read instead of listen, or you can listen, or we're on really any platform. So it's Unlikely Leadership with Audrey, or it's Amplified Voices with Pete Carroll and myself. Amazing. Awesome. I'll make sure to put the links in the show notes. It's been a total pleasure, Audrey. I can't wait to connect again. And until we do, breathe joy. Oh, thank you so much. Bye. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Audrey. If so, you can head on over and rate or review the podcast at lovethepodcast.com slash brilliance. And I would love it if you wanted to continue the conversation, share any aha moments that you had from today's experience in the Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. I'll drop those links in the show notes. And I also wanted to share some feedback from Quamilla from the U.S., and they say, excellent and inspirational show. Casey brings amazing guests on every week, and I learn a lot each time. I'm inspired by the stories told and come away every time with renewed energy and mindset. That's awesome, Quamilla. I do as well. I don't think there's been one episode that I actually haven't been personally touched, have a perspective shift, or something just warms my heart. So I'm glad that you're feeling the same. If you want to share some feedback in regard to the show or this episode in particular, head on over to lovethepodcast.com slash brilliance. Until next week, my friend, breathe joy.